Hello and welcome to the Dual Citizen Podcast. My name is Anna Claire Noblet, and I will be your host today. Y'all, I am maybe the most excited ever for this episode. It is an amazing conversation that will hopefully answer one of the biggest questions that I feel like we as Christians and students and just citizens deal with, which is how do I disagree well? How do I have a conversation that is controversial without losing a relationship, losing a friendship, um, or losing just the ultimate mission of love? And so we have Dr. Brent Crow with us today. He wants us to just call him Brent, but he is an amazing mentor and author that I really look up to and have learned from for years because of Student Leadership University. I can't wait for you to meet him via this episode today, and I'm so glad you're here. Here I am today with uh, Dr. Brent Crow, and this summer I had the privilege of getting to intern with an amazing organization called Student Leadership University. Um, and he is serving as the vice president of this organization, and um, he's the author of a few books called Moments Till Midnight, Sacred Intent, and Chasing Elephants, and he's got more on the way. So be sure to follow him and, and keep up with what he's writing and doing. Um, SLU was really something that I has encouraged me and trained me to think in this kind of dual citizen way. Um, they teach, I, I was part of it in high school, and they teach kind of this healthy philosophy on citizenship and things like having a patriotic ethos. Um, so it's really one of the reasons I'm so interested in policy and here doing this podcast. Um, and if I could sum it up before, before I bring him on and start asking him questions about how we can disagree well, um, I, I would sum up what I've learned from SLU this way, and I just want to share with y'all, and, and this is kind of a quote from them and, and what they've taught us. So legislation is increasingly affecting every aspect of society. And as Christians, we must be active in the political process if God's moral standards are to be reflected in our society. God's people can make a difference in this nation if they're willing to pay the price of personal involvement. And so as they teach us, as they teach us about this, um, and as they teach high schoolers about this every single summer, even people who are coming to a Christian worldview conference are going to have um, disagreements. They're going to say, how do we engage a culture that really wants nothing to do with a Christian worldview? Um, and so one of the things they teach so well is disagreeing in a divided culture. And so Brent, he shares this every summer, and he's going to share a little bit of kind of this approach. And so first, will you just, Brent, share how God has allowed you and equipped you to preach the gospel through um, things like history and things like leadership training and, and just what you're doing with SLU right now? Certainly. Well, first of all, Anna Claire, uh, I'm very proud of, of you and this this podcast, and I've done a lot of podcasts, but this may be my favorite podcast, the, the dual citizenship title. Like, that better be copyrighted somewhere, girl. <laughs> that, you got to hang on to that for, forever. That's an amazing uh, name for a podcast, and I really do love it because it, uh, if you'll allow me to just kind of, I'm going to answer your question, but, but before I do, this dual citizenship is really the only 
way, and we mean that in the, you mean that in a theological sense, but it is really the only way of solving conflict here, probably the, on, on planet Earth with all the issues that we have. Uh, without a dual citizenship perspective, you can really get lost in the disagreements, you can get lost um, in, the, in the chaos of just where we are in culture and all this happening. One of my favorite examples of how disagreement was solved in scripture using the dual citizenship approach is in the book of Philippians. And, you know, the, the church at Philippi was the first church ever planted in Europe. And it really, um, it, and so Paul really had a, a problem on his hands in a good way. Uh, the church is, is thriving. People are coming to Christ. But there's a little bit of historical problem. There's a cultural context that is causing a dilemma. And that is this, that there was a little battle that happened uh, in AD 31, a few generations before Paul ever planted the church, um, called the Battle of Actium. And it was a bloody, vicious battle, but essentially the Roman Empire came to town and took over. So you had these, this, if you allow me to use this phrase, this indigenous people group who had lived in this region. Then you had this army that came in and it was the Roman Empire's approach or strategy to let soldiers, once they conquered a place, to colonize that place. So, and they're the ones that are the official citizens. So now you have people who have had their quote unquote citizenship uprooted so they're allowed to live in their own land that goes back generations, but they're no longer citizens. People have just come to town, the Roman, you know, army. Yeah. have won this battle and they're the citizens. Okay. Fast forward to those Roman soldiers having, getting married, having kids, having grandkids. And now those grandkids are becoming Christians and they both want to go to church together. So now you have citizens and non-citizens coming to Christ, walking into the church. And they don't like each other very much. Because your granddaddy killed my granddaddy, and now I'm not a citizen in my own land. And it's really this conflict. So how does Paul deal with it? And he just simply says, here's how you should both act, as if you were citizens of heaven. So he appeals to our eternal higher citizenship, if you will, to solve conflict. And it was the only way that people who were live. I mean, in, in other words, if you, if you were the grandchild of a Roman soldier, it was you. You didn't fight the Battle of Actium. You were just born there. You now you may not like the history, just like I don't like certain certain history about the United States. But here I am. I'm born here. And then you had the indigenous people who, and and so the only way they could get along is to appeal to their their citizenship that was beyond their temporary citizenship and that was their citizenship in the heaven country and so i i really do believe and claire in all honesty uh that you are on to something with this because I, I i don't think that we can make sense of current crises divorced from a theological understanding of dual citizenship uh to answer your question so i i'm sorry for that little oh yeah thank you about your title but i really do think it it solves the problem we're, or the challenge we're dealing with today. But uh, we, we believe at SOU, I, I believe uh, our founder, Dr. J. Strack, believes that leadership development allows us to 
go into places that we would normally not be able to go and it and then teach that leadership begins at the feet of jesus in other words that leadership is devotional before it's practical that cultivating my influence is part of discipleship not separate from and and so just to give you a couple of examples to answer your question we we um uh we were able to do uh our program on the west bank i think six times now um and we've had over a thousand amazing uh some palestinian some jordanian students but just people who are predominantly Muslim that invited us in because they went, okay, we know that you got this faith thing going on, but come teach us how to be better leaders. And, and so it really does give us a, an inroad to certain, there's a missional component to it. It gives us an inroad both here and abroad to be able to go in, have conversations started, because honestly, leadership development um, as a category is something the whole world wants. And um, right, wrong, or indifferent, it's something that America has positioned itself to be somewhat of a, a, a thought leader on. Yeah. Um, I also think that a historical approach to studying leadership gives you a better voice uh, in understanding uh, culture, uh, both at present and then being able to communicate because a historical understanding of leadership, studying historical leadership, gives you an insight into the continual unfolding of God's story. So therefore, as I speak up in the present moment, I'm understanding this larger context of what God is doing. And that oftentimes is lost. Everybody, uh, everybody wants to respond. No one wants to listen. Everybody wants to react. No one wants to contemplate. Uh, Denzel Washington said, uh, uh, and he's brilliant, he was talking to a bunch of reporters, and he talked about how fake news is real. And he said, and the reason fake news is real is because, not because of a politician, even though there is a certain politician that's coined that phrase, but it's because everybody is trying to be first. Politicians, reporters, mm -hmm. everybody's, and he said, everybody's trying to be first and nobody's trying to be right. Yeah. And if you're just, if the goal is to be first and that's all you practice, then truth it's put in the back seat. Goes out the window. Yeah, it was a great insight. So um, that's how leadership allows for us to kind of further the mission of God, join in the mission of God, um, and uh, have healthy conversations in culture. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, that's it's definitely working. the 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 model is affecting so many people and um, teaching some of the most crucial skills that young people could ever need today. So why don't we dive into this kind of this approach? And so the foundation is that Christians must be able to agree on primary issues before there can be healthy disagreement on secondary and tertiary issues. Yes. Um, so to, to disagree well means to compassionately disagree in such a way that each party is adhering to the higher law of love. So our call to love the Lord, our God, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, and realizing that at the end of the day, that God's desired will on any subject is ultimately what matters. So this is what you've taught, you've taught, um, high schoolers for years. And then will you explain how we should think and act in light of this goal? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the question, isn't it? Um, when it comes to this subject and, 
uh, I don't consider myself, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to figure some of this out. I do know this much. There are certain core doctrines, beliefs that we have to all agree on, like you said. Um, if, if we can't agree on Jesus and the Bible and, right, if there's not a, a, a core found, if there's not a foundation of, of agreement, there can never be healthy disagreement. And, and so I can't stress how important it is because uh, we're talking about disagreement among not just anybody, but this disagreement that seems to be becoming more prevalent among Christians, yeah. uh, whether it's on social or public platforms or, or whatnot. And so we, we, we have to start with the primary issues. Right. So will you explain what for Christians in your own words, what is our primary issue? Well, I would say it, it's, it's two or three things. Number one is the person in the work of Christ. Okay. Uh, number two is the inspiration and authority of scripture. And by the way, you can't understand number one without number two, right? I mean, right. especially according to what John one teaches us. So the person and work of Christ, the inspiration and authority of scripture and the moral law taught in scripture. So if there is a very clear, thus saith the Lord, and there'd be several subcategories under the moral law of, of what's taught in scripture. But if there is a very clear, um, thus saith the Lord on some very important issues in culture, that's probably not subject for disagreement. There may be some disagreement around that core issue, but that issue is not subject to disagreement. So I think that gives us kind of a, a working, the, theologians like to use the phrase plumb line, but I think that gives us a working foundation, person work of Jesus, inspiration and authority of scripture, and the moral law. Uh, of God taught in scripture. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So then what about, what about the other things? What about the uh, political issues, the movements that we choose to support or not support the um, different arguments that we can find in scripture? I mean, there's, there's thousands of examples. Um, but when we, when we find ourselves in uh, a disagreement with, someone who, you know, probably someone who is with us on those, those top three. Um, is it, is anything worth losing a relationship? Um, and, and how do you think, and how have you, um, kind of decided is a, is a good approach and just how have you seen that play out in your experience? Yeah, it was really a twofold question. First of all, um, there, you know, there really are in, 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 just in the history of Christian theology, there really are three categories of, of, of beliefs, primary, secondary, and tertiary. And if you've never heard the word tertiary, you can probably figure out what it means from the word primary and secondary. And so it's just the next level of, of issues that are somewhat debatable. Uh, so primary issues are what bind us together as the church universal throughout all of history. If you, if, if you adhere to these primary doctrines, you're part of the movement of Christianity throughout history. Secondary issues are where you have denominations kind of formulate, if you will. And so there are people who have historically and present day believe, okay, we're, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I, may, I may be friends with that person, but I'm not going to be in a local fellowship with that individual called the church. 
because my convictions lead me this way. Issues uh, would be, you know, how God created the universe, uh, views on healing, gifts of the spirit. Um, some secondary issues may be issues that have to do with things like uh, alcohol. Some people believe that's a tertiary issue. I kind of believe when it's properly understood, things like alcohol are a tertiary issue. But it has divided churches. It has caused people to go, okay, we're going to form a community over here and we're going to form a community over there. So I guess in that case study, it would be a secondary issue. But secondary issues are where you have people kind of splintering off into, okay, this is our tribe because, and we recognize that that tribe is part of the church, but our tribe on these secondary issues kind of leans this way. Tertiary issues are issues like the timing of the rapture or style of music or uh, dress at church has been one over the years. But these are issues that you should be able to disagree on within your local tribe or fellowship, your local church, and still get along and still have healthy community. In other words, there should be, if you can't, if you can't disagree well on these tertiary issues um, and still have community, you, you, you got sin in your life. I'll just go that as far as to say that. So that's, that's our categories by which we operate there. Um, okay. The question becomes, how do you, how do you do this? Uh, I, I have kind of a, a handful of steps and Anna Claire just cut me off whenever you want to discuss one. I don't okay. want to just preach here, but, or yeah. teach or whatever, but, uh, I always start with love. I believe that's that's not weakness. Um, and so uh, my first step in disagreeing well is to always choose love uh, before choosing positions. In fact, I, I just think uh, sometimes it's even healthy to choose love instead of choosing sides. Now, I'm conservative in my theology. I don't like labels, but I am. Um, I don't think that that's a moderate or liberal statement. Yeah, I've had a lot of conservatives who've challenged me on that. But I don't believe the statement, choose love instead of choosing sides, is, is a compromise in any way. I think it's healthy. I think uh, there are moments, especially you think about what we're going through in our country. If, if, if we have protests happening all over our country, critical thinking happens before protests, after protests. But when you're looking at an oppressed people, you don't go, well, let me just tell you, I'm going to love you, but here's where I disagree with you. No, 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 no. You just love. Solidarity should not have a disclaimer. And loving people should not come with footnotes. And so I think there are moments that you just choose love instead of choosing sides. Yeah, I and agree. So, so I start with that. I start with love. Yeah, because if if there is no relationship, there's there's no bridge at all to discuss anything. There's no there's no love, no relationship. There's no opportunity. Um, there's no opportunity to share the gospel. There's no opportunity to um, talk about these primary issues and kind of um, <laughs> kind of love someone by. Um, you know, caring for their soul in that way. If it's all just a, an a attacking and a um, persuading based on secondary and tertiary, I mean, there. If there's no relationship, there's just no opportunity, and that's something that I've kind of learned the hard way. Mm -hmm. um, and like, 
like you said, we, we are commanded to put above all things, put on love. If we are, um, if we had all the spiritual gifts and we had all the wisdom, but when, but not love, we're nothing. Right. So um, great place to start. Great place to start. What's the next step? Um, I, well, we'll do the next two steps and then discuss them. But, but next step is here before being heard. Um, a lot of people, especially in the social media era, and I love social media, but a lot of people are overly concerned with being heard. Um, there's, it seems to me, and I'm not trying to be overly critical here, but it seems there's a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. And when you're, when you feel like, and there's some very prominent evangelicals that have gotten a little bit of, you know, they've misspoken because of this. When you feel like you have to fill the air with words and be heard, and that's your primary responsibility. There's going to be a moment where you mess up and we've all messed up. We've all said things that are stupid or we regret or, but I think it would, I think if listening became a discipline in our lives, we would be better for it. Um, and then, you know, the next step is kingdom before opinion. You know, Paul writes about this in Romans 14. He, he talks about, you know, that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. I mean, it's not these issues we disagree over. And so, um, if, if, and that's something that you got to check yourself on, we can't, nobody can, but if, if in your mind and your heart, um, your persuasion is more important than God's kingdom in how, in your attitude and your disposition and in your words, I think that you've got, you've got a problem. And so I would say here before being heard and kingdom before opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, we talked in our last episode about just the, the sinfulness of, of any human leader and, and where we, we just can't find our home there. And so we've got to remember our eternal citizenship kingdom before opinion, because we are all part of God's kingdom first and everything else should take a back seat. So the next one is acceptance and agreement are not the same things, right? So we can, um, you know, we, we can accept, um, someone as a friend, as a brother or sister without, you know, thinking the exact same way it's possible. Well, I, you know, that acceptance and agreement are not the same things is, is one of those, those parts of this process for disagreeing. Well, that to be quite honest with you, um, I struggle with, and I think we all struggle with people who hold deep beliefs are going to at times struggle with this principle of acceptance and agreement, not being the same thing. Just because I disagree with someone doesn't mean that I, I shouldn't accept them. I'll give you an example that might make some people happy, might make some people mad, might, I don't know. Anyways. Um, but you know, a lightning rod issue in our culture is polit politics, obviously. And, um, you know, four years ago, almost four years ago, in the in the the historic campaign of of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, I mean, most people thought Clinton was going to win. And my boss, who is also my father-in-law, and I'm very close to him, and you're not going to ever catch us saying anything negative about each other. But Jay, Dr. Jay, is a huge Trump's he's 
on a council for him. He goes to the White House every couple of months. He's, he's been there from the campaign till now. Loves Trump. Has the hat and all. Uh, me, not so much. Not the biggest Trump fan. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I, I, both my wife and I really struggled with voting for him. Now, I know conservatives immediately go, because I've had a hundred of them ask me, well, did you vote for the other side? That's not the point. Um, uh, no, but that's not the point. Uh, but it was hard to pull that lever. And at the end of the day, in good conscience, I couldn't. So we wrote a name in. And, and so Jay and I will sit on stage at our SOU 2-1 program in Washington, D.C. You, you know, we'll have over a thousand students that'll be in the room from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And we'll literally, I mean, we, we, we put our chairs right next to each other. In fact, we share a microphone just to drive the image of unity home and togetherness instead of each having a microphone. Um, and we, and I'll go, hey, I didn't vote for Trump. And then you hear <gasps> this collective gasp in the room from people who were a little disappointed in me now and go, well, I'm not following that guy on social media anymore. Um, and, and, and then you, I, you hear Jacob, but I'm, I'm very pro-Trump. But then we talk about how we, how we disagree on this issue, but that doesn't mean there's going to be daylight between us relationally. And, and so just because we disagree doesn't mean that we don't accept each other. We accept each other as brothers in Christ, as co-workers, as co-laborers, with an incredible mission and vision. And we're not, but at the same time, he hasn't changed my mind in three and a half years, and I haven't changed his, I guarantee you I haven't changed his mind in three and a half years, (laughs) and that's okay. Um, And I wonder, and I'm not trying to say we're the example, but I wonder how better off we collectively as followers of Jesus would be if we just said it's okay to disagree and you're not going to catch any daylight between us because we accept each other. That's my brother. That's my sister. And uh, I don't know. I wonder, I think we'd be a lot better off. Yeah, I I think so too. Um, That's just going back to that first one of we have more important things that matter and um, this isn't going to, divide our family. Um, Another one that I love is discovering points of agreement and specifying points of disagreement. So something that's hard for my generation, I think, is specifically um, kind of knowing exactly where we stand on things. And so this point requires research. It requires... um, It requires really digging into an issue and a stance without... Uh, just making generalized statements and without just taking someone's opinion that was given to you by a TikTok or an Instagram post or your parents. Um, and so, well um, summarized there. Well summarized. <laughs> so, would you say that clarity is kind of that? Whenever we do want to have a disagreeing conversation, you know, whenever you sit down and have that conversation with Dr. J, um, you know how. How, how long has it taken you to kind of be able to formulate that opinion well? And, and, and how would you um, encourage someone to be specific in our, in our beliefs and opinions? Yeah. And this is where critical thinking comes in. So if you lay a foundation of love and humility and kingdom first, and, and, and this is my brother and okay. So we've laid that foundation. That doesn't mean that I don't have deep, 
concerns or or opinions or beliefs or convictions or it doesn't mean that I don't have a real stance on issues. Um, it, 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 choosing love is not an excuse to be uh, mentally lazy. Um, and so I, I believe we should know what we believe on, on secondary, on a, a variety of, uh, of issues, of course. And, and at the same time, I think that specifying where we disagree and having a clearly thought through paradigm, I think clarity contributes to community, but ambiguity communicates or contributes, excuse me, to divisiveness or divisiveness or however you pronounce that word. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And love doesn't mean passivity. Um, no. Being a Christian doesn't mean being passive at all. We're, we're not going to get anywhere with, with that. Um, but yeah, you're right. And it goes into the next point of, of adhering to the principles of critical thinking without lowering oneself to criticizing. Yes. Um, and in, I loved one of the things that you pointed out in this, um, in this uh, teaching is that one of the most edifying things is to think critically about another's idea. One of the best ways I can love someone who is holding tightly to a opinion that's different than mine is to say, tell me more, you know, uh, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's sit down. Will you, will you help me understand this? Some, some people that that's their love language. (laughs) Um, that is how you, um, can create that bridge and create that relationship. And, And then on the flip side, one of the most demeaning things is to automatically, um, and especially in a generalized, uh, kind of, uh, hardened way mm-hmm. just automatically criticize um and so yeah and then and then wrap us up with kind of the final final point and um and we'll kind of talk about where we go from here yeah yeah well my last kind of seven point outline on how to disagree well would be you know the the end goal of disagreement um is to grow personally and together as followers of Jesus. And in, in other words, and I know that's a kind of one of those Sunday school type statements and I, so forgive me, but it is the end. So you need one of those types of statements to the end to kind of draw us back to center in, in one sense. But, and this is going to be hard for some of us to understand, but the end goal is not to win an argument. Mm-hmm. The end goal is sometimes not to change someone's mind. Um, the end goal is that we as people of faith would grow together and that we as people of faith would, would grow deeper in our, our love and, 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 and in following Jesus. And so, so there is this sense of if, if you're, if the goal of your life is to win that argument, um, you're going to be deeply unsatisfied at the end of the day. But if the goal of your of your life is to love that other person well, even if you disagree, you're going to feel very, very satisfied, maybe even happy. Could we use that word at the end of uh, at the end of the day? I, I think it would do all of us well to remember that the table of grace is big. It's not small. It's not just your tribe. It's big. And there's there's room at the table of grace. For all of us. And when I say for all of us, there's room for all of us. And there's room for all of us who 
who are willing to humble ourselves and, and confess and repent and trust Jesus with our lives. And of course, in other words, if, if we're willing to agree on the primary issues, we're all at that table of grace. And sometimes I think through disagreement, we go, yeah, that table of, you know, it's, it's, we think that it's, it's my tribe, it's my network. It's just my local church. It's just, and we got to be careful with that, that, that table, the table of grace is, is big. It's not small. And by the way, it's growing, it's not decreasing. And, yeah. and it's, that's, that's the good reminder to me at the end is that, that the point's not to win an argument. The point is to love well. And that doesn't mean, like we've already said, that you back down. It doesn't mean that you don't think through. It doesn't mean that you don't provide your position. The outcome is not the outline. The end goal is not to win the end goal is to care for somebody else in a way that would honor Jesus. Yeah. And the sad thing is too, I think we, um, in our sin and in our self-centeredness, we, we also, we almost want the table of grace to exclude people who aren't exactly like us. We're like, Oh, so disappointed. And you know, this person's ideas and the way that they have yeah. just fallen off, you know, the deep end and, and, it, it's all about make them like me, you know, Lord, don't make us all like you make people like me. <laughs> and, and that's just totally, we're missing it because honestly, Jesus's way and those primary three things, the person work of Christ, the authority of scripture, and then adhering to this, this moral law taught in scripture, which is ultimately the best way to live is going to become more and more unpopular. Um, and so we we just have to link arms. We have to keep inviting. We have to keep um, holding to what is most important. Um, like you said, not in a passive way, um, but we we will just get lost in the shuffle of um, being yeah. right. So, I think a good example of this, Aunt Claire, as we're wrapping up, is is Paul when he was in uh, uh, I believe it was Acts seventeen, where he was in the city of Athens. And, you know, he walks into this incredibly historic city, the cultural center, the intellectual center uh, of the Roman Empire, not the political center at this time in history, that would have been Corinth. But he walks into this, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of where we got democracy from. And, and you had some of the great philosophers like Socrates that came through there. And uh, it, it so he's here and it's a city that's leading people away from Jesus. And he literally gets angry. His spirit was provoked. He was ticked. I mean, that's, we really have a hard time in our English translation capturing the full weight of the emotion of the Greek verbiage that is used there to talk about his feelings. He was, it said that we, the best we can do is his spirit was provoked within him. Uh, that's a kind way of saying he was really angry. Then he just began to work a strategy, step through the open doors, and the, his goal was to love them and show them Jesus. And there was an argument, that, or there was an attempt at an argument, and there were some philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics, and they came to him and they called him a name. They called him a babbler. They made fun of him. Now, if you're angry for the wrong reasons, you're going to respond in kind. But if you're, if you're angry... And your spirit is provoked because look at all that's leading away from Jesus. Then you're going to respond with care. And, 
he he was caught he was caught him i mean they basically accused him of plagiarism and he turns around and he just shares with them the message of jesus and loves them well and to a point where some of them invited him to what's called the areopagus or mars hill which was the highest point of influence in the city in the most influential city in the roman empire so in one day paul goes from the marketplace to mars hill and it, and it happened because he didn't respond in kind. He responded with kindness. And the Bible teaches us that the kindness of God leads people to repentance. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal. Yeah. That we would show Jesus even through our disagreements. So Absolutely. I think that's a pretty good biblical uh, example for us to, to look to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it, and that, I mean, if, if I have any, um, you know, encouragement for my friends listening. It's, it's look to the scriptures. It's, um, get to know the way that Jesus approached politics, leadership, um, conflict, things that made him angry righteously. And then the way that he treated the least of, um, anyone in society and, um, going back to what we said, if there's no relationship, there's no opportunity. If there's without holiness, without love, no one will ever be able to see the Lord, even if we are right. Um, So thank you so much for just walking us through these steps. Thank you for um, setting an example and and offering personal examples to help us understand, um, you know, it's okay to disagree, um, but that should not come at the cost of accepting and loving our brothers and sisters and, um, even encouraging, encouraging us to be clear in and uh, well-read, well-thought-out in what we believe and why. Um, thank you just for, for your time. So really appreciate it. Love this, love this podcast. This is amazing. I hope this conversation was as helpful for you as it was for me. I've always enjoyed learning under Brent and I would encourage you to check out the Chasing Elephants podcast and SLU blog at slulead.com. Additionally, as always, be sure to check out anchoredpassion.com for more resources. Thanks for joining. See you soon.